0: This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org
1: Welcome to I Work For Him. As Martha and I are on location in Chicago, Illinois, we're so grateful to be here. And it is a beautiful day in Chicago, as every day in Chicago is beautiful, right? All you Windy City folks. you know, We just want to invite you to check us out online, iworkforhim.com. That's iwork, the number four, him.com. We'd love for you, when you go out there, to consider joining the I Work For Him nation. Consider being a change agent in your workplace by... Committing to pray for those you work alongside by name each and every day. Looking for ways to serve the people that you work with above and beyond what your job requires you to do. Look for ways to befriend people outside of your workplace because relationships give you an opportunity to really share your faith. But all along, being a person of excellence in your job because Christ followers should be the absolute number one best employees in their position no matter what you do that's iworkforham.com click on the i work for him nation flag hey we we're at a conference here in chicago and we wanted to just grab some random people and we grabbed a random old friend of the show we've got chip roper here he's from the Vocus center in new york city he was on the show a couple of years ago sharing what's going on there in new york city we thought we'd get an update dr chip roper welcome back to i work for him
2: it's great to be here jim Martha, all right. So, so in I the you, flesh. In the
1: flesh. That's right. It's just fantastic. In the flesh. It's always so much better. It's great to meet people you, you know, you've never really met, but we've met and we love them.
2: And you're quite the optimist to say that the weather is beautiful here in Chicago. <laughs> it is. Oh, if you, it's all you cold gotta do is, and windy. All you so. got to do is
1: live in Florida for five Percy months straight. Of, I get tired of kind hot. Kind of and
3: expected the cold and windy, so it did not disappoint. In I that did not
2: respect.
1: bring a warm enough jacket, but I it's didn't okay. either. Yeah, <laughs> I got surprised. <laughs> well, we're inside all day, anyways. All right, <laughs> that's true. Chip Roper, tell us about the Volker Center. What's the mission of the Voca Center.
2: So the Voca Center, we want to turn people's secular jobs into sac- sacred callings. You know, we want to, we want them to reframe the way they approach their work so that's infused with God's purpose and God's power. And um, so that's kind of our big idea. And uh, we sum it up: we just say we want to make work better, but we really want to make work better. Uh, with the spiritual resources that God gives us.
1: All right. And people can check out the Vocus Center online, vocacenter.org, but also vocacenter.com. Talk about the difference.
2: Yeah. So vocacenter.org is our faith based website. And it's um, because we come at this from a perspective of faith and motivated uh, by Christ and what he's done for us. And vocacenter.com is our kind of general market facing uh, portal to the world because we do provide services that companies can benefit from in terms of, uh, you know, talent management, uh, developing their, developing leaders, developing managers, um, analyzing job fit. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we really hope to be able to do as we move forward and progress is to, we want Christians to know that they can hire us to do excellent work for their com- companies and uh, that the way we do our work and our presence there will actually, you know, open doors for Kingdom Impact. Just through the services we provide in the general marketplace.
1: So you've got a plain glass and a stained glass. That's a, that's good. That's good. I can't claim it as an original. Somebody else taught me that
2: same thing.
3: No, but you could use it, I suppose, right? It's
2: not copyrighted, trademarked, or
3: not that we're otherwise licensed. Yeah, okay. exactly. So, so how then are people utilizing the, the resources that you have and really making it practical?
2: So we. Um, You know, one of our sort of flagship programs is called the Calling Discernment Program. And uh, we help people walk through a process of discovering first how they're wired, how God's put them together, and then really strategically, how do they take that that package of who they are and put it into play in the job market. And so for some people, this is uh, they're young, they're trying to figure out Kind of what career direction they want to go. Some of them are in the middle of their lives and they find themselves out of work or they find themselves like they've been doing something for 15 years and they're not, they're really not sure they want to keep doing that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and some people are more at a later stage, uh, looking at, I wouldn't call it retirement, but they're like they're going to stop doing the job that's been consuming all of their time, and they're thinking about what's next after that. They want to be busy, they want to be productive. What's on the
1: other side of halftime?
2: Yeah, it's exactly it's a halftime kind of experience, and um, so we've got folks in all those kind of from all those sort of places coming, and you know we walk them through this process. It's three assessments, it's seven hours of coaching, and by the end uh, they know themselves much better and they have a plan that they've already started to execute to get onto their future that God has for them in their work. So how long has the Volca Center been around? Uh, In one form or another, about four and a half years. Okay. So are you having fun still? I am having fun. Yes.
1: Talk to us about impact. The people that you interact with, uh, Christ followers who are just trying to find purpose in their work. They're trying to understand that their work really matters to God. Talk to us when you get to speak truth into uh, Christ followers lives who are out there in the marketplace, in their workplace. What's that look like? What's that impact sound like?
2: Well, first of all, you know the work, the work, space is hard.
4: Mm.
2: That's, that's it's hard, and it's a battle, and it's a struggle, and um, even just acknowledging that for people, since they can they can exhale, right? That they're not they're not crazy, they're not an anomaly off on the side that mm-hmm. everybody else is just doing great, and they they have they got you know stuck with some some really tough road. Now, for most people, work is stressful, it's demanding, it's overwhelming. And um, it consumes uh, more and more of their time, and it, it feeds and fuels much of their anxiety. So this, this it's a heavy topic. And you know, starting there and acknowledging that, what we typically will see in the course of uh, our, our interactions with a client is that their shoulders relax. Mm. They breathe more easily. Over time, they become a lot more confident in who they are okay. and what they can do. And so I, I, it's almost like the rebirth of hope happens in them on a fairly regular basis. Um, some of it's some ahas uh, uh, as well as like, oh, well, that's why. That's why I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. You know, or that's why I was doing this job that was just sucking the life out of me. Um, well, now we know why. Now I know why that was sucking the life out of me. So next time, as I have options, I can choose more wisely and pursue things that are better fit with how God's made me. So, I, I, I mean, if to sum it up in a phrase, that was really long, I'm sorry, but it's just the bottom line is it's just, it's the rebirth of hope and uh, for their vocational life. And I, that's what we see over and the over again. The
1: rebirth of hope for their vocational life. Another tweetable tweet by Dr. Chip Roper. All right. There's a lot of listeners, of course, that are not in New York City. They're yep. not at 54th and 40th. Yep. How do people, can people interact with you online?
2: Absolutely. We've... um one of the things that we've that's happened since we last talk is talked is um, we've started we 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 can do our coaching program uh, over the internet you know over uh, mm. Zoom Zoom call video call yes and, uh, another
1: free plug right here yeah. in iWork Work Brand
2: yeah <laughs> and uh, so we've got clients in Dallas Seattle Nashville um, and um, and uh albuquerque yeah
1: albuquerque
3: working on those time zones
2: we're starting to get a little rough on that sometimes but
3: excellent so jim just so that our listeners realize who we're talking with today we're with dr chip roper and he is with the Vocus center and really you're helping i i mean there's so many things but you're helping people just understand how maybe god wired them absolutely so that they can do something more effectively does it always mean a, a job change for somebody
2: Not at all. Sometimes it means that they can go back to their, their job the next day with a a clear sense of how that job aligns with how they're wired, what they're passionate about, kind of what their values Mm -hmm. are. And so they can have fresh energy for it. And that happens. There's a, I haven't, I haven't studied this. Perhaps I should, but a significant percentage of our clients do not change jobs. They change awesome. the, the way they're approaching their job.
1: It's a paradigm shift for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you uh, know, well, you
3: think about in sports when people, t- the coach takes a timeout. It's not to say, oh, we're going to quit playing basketball now and go play something exactly else. Right. We're going we're gonna to shore up the game and do things better. And I'm not even an athlete and I'm having this conversation because I know why they do that. Mm-hmm. And we all sometimes just need to refocus and to learn more about ourselves. It's very empowering for people, isn't it? When very they learn so. something new about themselves.
2: Yeah, it's very hard for us to know, most of us to know what we're really good at.
1: Mm-hmm. Are you doing a lot of interactions with the church there at the Volca Center? Volca Center Online, Volcacenter.com, Volcacenter.org. Are you interacting with churches?
2: We do. We have it's one of the the markets that we serve, one of our our group of our customers are pastors. And uh we convene pastors uh several times almost monthly. In partnership with Made to Flourish out of Kansas City. Made and to Flourish.org.
1: Love yep. that organization.
2: <laughs> and, um, you know, we want pastors to know that they can play a tremendous role in affirming the vocational callings that their people have out in the marketplace. Hmm. And it's it. Um, I, I, I served as a pastor for quite a long time, and I used to think church was, church was the game. And now I, I sort of think church is more like... Uh, it's more like the, the dugout or the locker room That's that right. prepares people for the game. Oh. And it's equipping. It's all about equipping. It's all about equipping. And when you start to see it that way, then you realize as a pastor that your influence is spreading all over your city, all over your yes. metro, and it's really exciting.
1: Exciting. Dr. Chip Roper with the Volca Center in New York City. Thanks for being on I work for him today.
2: Yeah, great to see you, Jim. Check him, out on,
1: check him out online, vocacenter.org, vocacenter.org. Our next guest up is Gaia Gort. She's written this incredible book, BAM, Global Movement Business as mission concepts and stories we had several people that said hey jimmy you gotta meet gail of course she's written this incredible mm-hmm. book and so she actually introduced herself to us gail welcome to IWork work for him thank
4: you james it's good to be here
1: it is very good to be here as martha and i are so excited to just have you on the show one tell us about your story you're you're from the netherlands yeah
4: that's right all right so do you still live there today yeah in Rotterdam. But I've been all over the world because my background is with mercy ships, the hospital ships. So I was in the early days of the ships, uh, like... 30, 40 years ago, a wow. lot in and out of the state. So I consider it as my second homeland.
1: <laughs> oh. That's wonderful. So tell us about your book. What is What is
4: BAM Global Movement all about? Well, um, I get it, um, 30 stories from around the world. I have a background in journalism as well as uh, in um, urban mission. And so I got really Excited about this whole business and mission mm-hmm. integration, and um, yeah, the thirty stories from countries like the Philippines, but also here from the U.S. in a Western context. How how are how is church, how is business, how are mission organization engaged in them? They are on a journey to learn to integrate this. So. Um, mm-hmm. I so met so wonderful people.
3: So let's, let's back up because we have listeners who may not know what BAM is or even uh-huh. business as mission. What
4: does that mean? It means that business can be such a tool in God's hand. Mm-hmm. It can be a tool to spread um, his scent, justice. Its mission is so much more than about money. It's mm. about people. You know, business people—they know business is about relationships. So this channel—it's it, about thinking through the product. What kind of product are we making? So, you know, that we bring justice to the community. Mm-hmm. And so it's—it's it's very, very diverse. You know, because it depends on the context. It depends about the product, the the personality of the business, of the business owner.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's
4: very diverse, but. You know, there's so much creativity and I think when we seek God, God, when this business would be your business, what are you seeing? Uh, I think it's opening our hearts and our minds mm -hmm. to think beyond our, you know, kind of common understanding. Okay. We need to work and go Sunday to church. Sure. Yeah. But do it with purpose. And, 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 you know, engage with, with God. um, there's so much more possible. All
1: right, we're talking with Gaea Gort today. Gaea is spelled G E A G O R T. You can check her out online at exactly those words GaeaGort.com, GaeaGort.com. We wanted you to get a copy of this book, Bam Global Movement, and I'm sure you can get one out there. Can they get a book on your on
4: your website? Yeah, but then it will be mailed from the Netherlands. You <laughs> oh. better go on Amazon or Christianbook.com. They have good prices. Okay, they so can it's get it there it's as available as well. in bookstores. Yeah. So
1: tell us some of these stories. You've got 30 stories in here in your book. Tell us p- what's your favorite story, or maybe <laughs> what's the one that's at the top of your head.
4: <laughs> well. Um, in the Philippines, like I said, it's not only business; also mission is in, engaged. In the Philippines, in the slums, there's this lady who has a, a large network in the slums where she helped, uh, together with churches, to have um, children's you know schooling for kids four to five six age, and she developed kidpreneurship, teaching these kidpreneurship? kids kids a curriculum for sure. them, and teaching these kids, hey, you can make toys, you can save, you can and doing that with biblical principles Mm. and I think that's one of these creative ways. Um, In Mozambique and uh, someone from Los Angeles left his air balloons, his cars moved with his family uh, to Mozambique. You know he has a vision to really develop the economy and started nut factories together with local orphanages and you know he is he's he said to me he said "Gaya, I love speed I love adventure well here in Mozambique I get a lot of it (laughs) you know that the and I think that's what God wants he wants to can to use us as we are Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. I wouldn't move to Mozambique probably many of you listeners wouldn't move, move to Mozambique but you know what. What is on your heart and what is your gifting? And, you know, God wants to use us as a whole being and to bring the whole gospel.
3: So I have a question regarding, like, as you were uncovering all these different stories and what God had done in these different people's lives that led them, was there a common thread? Was there anything that you saw in common between these people um, of how they either made a decision to do business as mission or,
4: um, that they had that change of heart? I think one of the st- threads is that God uses crisis in our lives. Okay. You know, it can be a crisis from outside. It's like we are, you know, something stirs within us and we seek, Hey God, we seek him mm-hmm. or what I call a couch time. You know, we are in the desert, sure. you know, and it's like life as we have known it seems to make no sense. We see God. Mm -hmm. So I think that I encountered quite a lot. Okay. But then also seeing that globally God is at work, Mm. you know, to, to, it's like part of a, and I, I write about that in the book. I wrote Mm -hmm. it together with Mats Thunhak, who's worldwide, um, bringing people together about them, especially in developed nations. Okay. But um, you know, there is a there is a, a shift going on that we we see mission much more holistically. Mm-hmm. You know, that God is not... God is a God who wants to transform us and in individuals, but he also desires to transform neighborhoods, to transform sp- our spheres of influence. So I see that there is a threat. People are starting to realize that and not all, always do they give words to it. It's, you know, you you see it in, in movements like theology of work, where mm-hmm. people connect faith and work, seeking how to connect uh, Sunday and Monday. I see especially a, a, a younger generation who you know, we'll think much more in an integrative way. Yes, we
3: can, and we can hope that that will be the way of the future. We won't mm. even be having to have these conversations, right, Jim? So we're talking with Gaia Gort, and she is here as our guest as she just finished writing this book, BAM Global Movement. And BAM is B-A-M. Business as mission, and this says um, the subtitle is "Businesses, Mission Concepts and Stories." And she has written out for us thirty stories. And I love the fact that it's global because we so often think that you know this is something that God's only moving in my city, and you know, or or God's not, you know, maybe we're not seeing any evidence in our city. But there's being encouraged by what God's doing around the world, and we all have that the common thread here also mm-hmm. is business—the yep. fact that God is working within the business realm.
1: Okay, so you you highlighted a couple of great, three, two or three international stories. Give us some of those business as mission stories from here in the States.
4: Fresno, I love, you know, how what they're doing. There's this one, a uh, church planter. A church planter in Fresno, California. Okay. He embraced his neighborhood. It's called Neighborhood Church. And he started, not a First, a church, he started a business and the business and a foundation. And um, he, this you know, together with his the board, they decide hey, all the things we do, we want to benefit the neighborhood. Okay, so for example, nice. they hire youth who are on the unemployed and they teach them about repairs in the house on the houses around them okay and uh, so they get connected with the neighborhood who have uh, you know their window doesn't open properly so there is a natural connection and blessing the neighborhood mm. and they start relationship with these kids and start discipling them on the job so um this church is quite, they meet sundays you know and the. They attract entrepreneurs who also move to the neighborhood. So I think that's one of these creative ways. Also in Fresno, um, his father actually um, started a network of social entrepreneurship. And I think that's bringing those together and and how we can inspire each other and help with the funding to do those social entrepreneurs, enterprises.
1: Well, that's exactly what I was going to ask. Okay, you get a lot of people listening today going, okay, but how does this book apply to me? And in 15 seconds or less, tell them why. Can they learn from this book, BAM Global Movement, about how they can maybe start a business with a mission mindset right here in the United States? Can they they learn from your book? Oh, yeah,
4: sure. And it's great bedside reading. You know, you can read these small stories and catch ideas, you know. It it triggers our imagination imagination when we see the, the stories of others how they do it and think through gives us ideas I how we can that. in our local lo- our own local place
1: well, Gaia Gort, thanks for being on I Work For Him today. You're our first guest from the Netherlands. We're so grateful. Thank you, Gea Gort. It's been an honor. You're listening to I Work For Him as we broadcast from the windy city of Chicago, Illinois. We have just finished a great conversation with Gea Gort, and we move on now to Joe Carroll, a friend of the show from San Antonio, Texas. You got to hear from Joe Carroll earlier this year, and just excited to have him back. Just to get a little update what's going on in San Antonio, what's going on with BLE, Biblical Leadership for Excellence, you can check it out online, B-L-E online dot O-R-G, B-L-E Joe Carroll, welcome back to I Work For Him. Oh, it's just great to be with you guys again. Talk to us about San Antonio, Texas. When If, if you were to take a temperature on people living out their faith and their work in San Antonio, Texas, what would that temperature be? I think it's medium. Um, I think there's some intrigue right now.
0: People, I'm sensing more than ever, are very, very stressed out in work. Mm. In in the three decades I've been working, I'm sensing people are at a maximum stress level. Mm -hmm. They're tired, they're worn out, and it's taking a lot of work just for them to engage. And so we're trying to find new ways to make it easier for people with busy schedules to say, I've got to carve out room for
1: this. When you look at just the, the common struggles, the kind of conversations that you're having with people that, that are repetitive, what would be, what's one common thing you hear from those the, the people Christ followers out there in the marketplace, Christ followers out there in their workplace, they're like, this is what I need help with.
0: Um, well, I think once they get into a group, then I can feel the, the breath, breath of fresh air coming in and saying, I need this. Mm-hmm. But it, sometimes until they taste it, they don't. They don't sense this is something I really need. They don't make room for their own soul in what they're doing every day. They just add to the busyness. What do you mean they taste it? When they taste it, taste what? I think when they see that they don't have to live the way the world is squeezing them into that mold. And for some people, you know, it's easier said than done because some many people don't have the luxury of creating space in their work because they're piled on so much. Right. And uh, I've seen this with some people, they just, it's like, this is too much work, too much work. And so um, I think if there's, a, if there's a shift in the neurological pathways in their brain of how they can prepare for that, of coming into intense work pressures, especially if they don't own the company, mm-hmm. and especially if they can't make the decisions where they can create their own space, how do they approach those kind of work environments? And so one of the things we, we try to do is, is, is uh, well, one of the things, we've introduced a new study. Really? Tell us about the new that, study. That is focused on five core beliefs that we feel like are, that's not exhaustive, but these are five core beliefs that, that we feel like people need to camp out on a little bit in their work. Um, and the very first one is contentment. And we think this is a very universal issue that people face today is Is where do I get a source of satisfaction in what I'm doing? Because most people are not, they don't feel satisfied in what they do. Right. And uh, one of the interesting things we're trying to do in this is in each of these five lessons, we're trying to brand that with an image. Because that'll stick in their mind in terms of the, during the day of, of bringing top of the mind awareness of what they're doing in their work. So example, in, in contentment, we use the verse, we have a memory verse that they start off with, it's Psalm sixteen five. 5, that says, Lord, you are my portion and my cup. And so we brand it with the idea of a coffee cup, because most people start off their day at work with a coffee cup. Many of them will sit with a coffee cup on their desk during the day. And so a lot of people are going to work, and that coffee cup gets stale. Or it tastes bitter. And so we give them this image of a coffee cup to say, Lord, you are my portion of my cup. And say, hey, you can have some say-so what's inside the cup. Because you can go to the Lord as your source. And yeah, if we don't have him as our source yet, we're not going to have contentment. And so we try to brand these images just to help people have a place to go back to and say, hey, Lord, you are my portion of my cup. It's not my work. It's not my title. It's not the money that we have.
3: So you were saying this is a new study that you guys just came out with. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Who is using this study and what is what is it that you desire? Like, who's who's going to get their hands on it? Tell well, us
0: about that. Well, it, it's a prototype right now. Okay. And so we hope after we go through, we've got, I think, six groups doing it currently. And so... Um, we researched on it and put it together. And so what I'm doing now is we're garnering feedback as we go through it. So like I've got two groups going right now that I'm leading and we're trying to empower people to take it into the workplace. We have a a lady in insurance company. has got eight people going to meet at lunch, you know, every week and go through the study. And so as we get feedback, we're going to fine tune it. We know the content's good because we're going to the Bible for it. And what we're trying to do is bring relevancy and authenticity into the study in connection with people in real work situations where they're talking about real life issues. And so um, by the end of this year, we should have it ready for people. If they want to contact us, they can contact us and we'll make sure they get copies of the day
1: And we're talking with Joe Carroll today. He's with a group called BLE. You can check him out online, bleonline.org. Biblical Leadership for Excellence, bleonline.org. Joe Carroll, I want to know practical, tactical stuff. I, I want to know feet on the ground, boots on the ground in San Antonio, Texas. Why are you doing this? Because the gospel
0: is so much of a, what I call it, a, a gap, is that there's such a disconnect. When people walk into the workplace, and we heard it here at this conference this weekend, and when people get up and say, oh, no, It's Monday. Mm -hmm. or thank God it's Friday that people just say, okay, I just have to, I have to do this. I have a job to do instead of sensing, oh, I get to go on an adventure with God during the week. And yeah, it's going to be hard and I don't know what's going to happen with me, but there's a deeper purpose. There's a larger story to live out in my work that's exciting, that has eternal purpose and that can make a difference in my life and other people's lives.
3: So, um, so tell us just like, I mean, you said there's, multiple groups that are, that are doing your Bible studies and stuff. What does that look like in um, San Antonio?
0: Well w- one of the uh, one of the we're trying to look for specific partnerships and one of our big ones is with Hallmark University. Uh, they're a private university there and uh, they have ad- adopted using our what we call our classic curriculum uh, that we developed many years ago mm-hmm. and um, they use it as part of their character curriculum with their students. And so the students don't have to take it because it's faith-based. But if they want to, then it's a way they get additional recognition when they graduate of competing in a character curriculum. And when they go to companies, they can go to companies and say, our students have used this curriculum, which will make them a better employee for you. And so we're looking for more strategic partnerships like that of of co-branding with people where they can use them. We're, we're starting to explore with a high school right now. And wow. so a conversation started where we can Neat. bring this in with junior, senior levels in high school, where all of a sudden, they're, when they're thinking about their future work, they are thinking of it with a correct biblical theology instead of mm-hmm. what can I do just to make a living. So we think there's a great marketplace for us out there in terms of doing that. We have a fellow coming in from New Zealand at one of our breakfasts next month. And they do a lot of private enterprise microfinancing for people coming out of poverty. And I said, well, why don't we look at doing something together where you can also be offering them something to where when these people are coming out, they're having a theological perspective, a correct biblical perspective, Mm -hmm. not just getting out of poverty. But this is what God has in mind for me. So we we think there's a lot of opportunities of helping people at the grassroots level Mm -hmm. of coming out with a heart saying, you know, God made me to work. And this is a part of his divine institution. And, and this is a privilege to be a part of uh, in mm-hmm. terms of God's kingdom
1: building. BLEonline.org. That's Joe Carroll. You can find Biblical Leadership for Excellence right there. Dream for me, Joe, these groups, these Biblical Leadership for Excellence groups, these BLE groups. What's the point of these groups? I mean, who, first of all, who's the members? Who, who are they? We have them ranging
0: from all the way from CEOs to uh person on production line. Matter of fact, one of the fellows here who's at this summit, uh, he oversees people who work on the front lines of a manufacturing company. Uh, and so uh, they have 30 people coming every two weeks to a group they meet in their conference room. Hmm. So and it ranges, when they walk in the conference room, they take off their um, authoritative hats if they're in a leadership role there. Everybody just comes there as a common common person. We just had launched 10 women in a group. And uh, of people who have never been in a Bible study before in their life. Some of them have, wow. some of them haven't. Yeah. And so we're in our, our second week of that. Actually, they have met twice now. And so in that case, we're we're forging new curriculum because we really don't have anything for that. But if people start talking about the Bible inside the workplace, it changes hearts mm-hmm. and yeah. it changes lives. So we just try to empower them to do that.
1: Dream for us then, 2019, where do, you, where, where do you see BLE going? Well, I can think we, can we expand it nationwide is what I'm looking for. Uh,
0: well, <clears throat> people can download our materials, and we're seeing that, mm-hmm. uh, and so we're we're starting to see people download materials more and more. And we've had that available for years. Uh, we are working on trying to make our website more interactive, and being a part of functions like this help us because a lot of people don't know who we are. Sure, um, and so our material distribution will help, uh, but primarily we see that. Uh, I like the comment made today, if we're going to make impact globally, we need to be local. And so as, as our local impact continues, and we're working hard at collaboration, uh, we have an event later this month, uh, which you guys are going to be a part of, and we look for collaboration. Mm-hmm. And we think that together, God will build the kingdom. And so to the extent that happens, it will happen. And uh, But we don't have any great plans for that, but we do have a great purpose for that.
3: So when you see your um, people coming together and studying the scripture Mm -hmm. and learning new, um, maybe maybe they knew the scripture, but they weren't applying it in Mm -hmm. their work life and that Mm -hmm. work mentality, what kinds of things are you seeing change in people's lives?
0: Oh, I tell you, that's the thrilling part is we had, um, we have uh, one of our groups is called Forge Groups, and these are for uh, CEOs or heads of companies. and I lead a group. Uh, we meet for four hours once a month. And we have a fellow who just he went to a study and he got laid off from his work. Hmm. but he had made a commitment to his, his career, that guy was God's. And so he went through that well and he has started a new franchise in San Antonio called, it's a Kilwins franchise hmm. and they're out of uh, I don't know, Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. Yep. And they're the great product of yep. confectionaries and chocolates and fudges. And he grew up uh, it eating makes you like, hungry. Thinking yeah. That. And so he, he is God opened up a way for him. He's opening up one right across from the Alamo. In downtown San Antonio. Awesome. And he says, we are planting a church mm-hmm. here that sells chocolates and allows people to enjoy life. Hmm. And, and he he was in our study. And one of the things we do is we call an MBA study. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that, people look for meditations, for biblical applications. And And he has found ways he can apply principles
1: in the way he's founded this work. excellent well if you'd like to open up a chocolate shop in your town just to talk to joe <laughs> carroll from biblical that's right they call it church i <laughs> that's love that's right yeah chocolate church <laughs> joe carroll with ble online biblical leadership for excellence from san antonio texas thanks joe carroll
0: good being with you guys
1: all right you're listening to i work him, martha and i continue to be on location in chicago that's amazing in between seconds we haven't run away to some other nope. city
3: we are still here
1: chicago the windy city at the faith and work summit interviewing some incredible people this segment of the show we're going to talk to lisa slayton she's with the pittsburgh leadership foundation you know what? we didn't have to drive to pittsburgh to interview her which is so much better we saved some miles you can check out the pittsburgh leadership foundation online plf.org plf.org lisa slayton welcome to i work for him great to be here thank you talk to us first how did you come to be a follower of jesus Oh, boy.
5: Um, Well, I grew up in the church. um, And like many young people, when I went to college and it drifted, my faith drifted quite significantly. Um, In uh, the early 90s, my husband and I were, uh, we'd been married for about 10 years and we're trying to have children. And we figured out through a variety of things, which I won't talk about now, uh, that we were not going to be able to do that biologically. And so, through the process of adoption um, and losing my father in a very tight time period, uh, it was the first step in my journey back to faith. And uh, we became active in a local church in the early '90s. And uh, my son was born in 1994, and that's that's how it all happened. There's more, a lot more to the story than that. But <laughs> for our purposes, <laughs> I'll I'll leave it there.
1: I appreciate that. You're working with the Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation, PFL.org. What's that all about? Um,
5: so Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation was founded in 1978, uh, and, and our charter says that we were founded for the purposes of raising up Christ-centered leaders for the redemption of southwestern Pennsylvania, in all aspects. That's exact language wow. from our from our founding board board minutes. Um, and over the years, that that work has taken a lot of different expressions. Um, our founder, a man named Reed Carpenter, uh, was a what we would now call a social entrepreneur. Um, he was very good at uh, identifying need in the city. And matching resource and leadership to it, and so the early history of PLF was all about incubating uh, faith-based social venture. Where there are about sixty organizations hmm. that we had a hand in starting um, over that period of time. Sixty incubated companies. Yeah, yes. not nonprofits. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Um, some very small some very large uh, and some we ran for many many years under our umbrella so we sort of had a fiduciary function um, but in the mid-2000s Reed had gone off the leadership foundations uh, PLF actually launched a network of leadership foundations so there are about 45 uh, in this country and internationally and Reed went off to lead the network and the man who succeeded him had a real passion for the actual development of leaders and said you know what if we shift our focus away from the the incubation and running of Mm -hmm. programmatic efforts to really investing in the minds and hearts of
1: leaders. And how do you do that?
5: And so we do that in a number of ways. I joined PLF in 2005 to launch an initiative that we've been running now for 11 years uh, called the Leaders Collaborative. Um, It's a six-month intensive uh, cohort-based program, so we keep them small intentionally, 10 to 12 men and women. Biased for the business world, but always with non-profit leaders and pastors included. And it starts with a deep dive into uh, the vocation and calling of the individual. And then what is the implication of that for the work they do every day? And how do we then help them think about going back into their work environment and and integrating um, that to create an organization or a business or a nonprofit or a church that's really healthy and thriving for the common good of the city?
3: Mm. So how does your work at PLF connect you now to the Faith and Work Summit that we're at today. Well, I've been tracking the faith and work movement
5: for 20 years. Um, it's informed a lot of what I do. Uh, Catherine Leary Allsdorf, who was honored today, mm-hmm. is you know one of my heroes. I felt like I stalked her for several years. <laughs> I fly to New York and say, "What She's are you doing now?" She's worthy of being stalked, absolutely. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but but for us, everything was about one of the pain points for me. Uh, so came back to faith in an evangelical church. Um, great worship, wonderful community, but there was a big effort in the church to sort of assimilate people. Into the ministry of the church, mm-hmm. and it was not focused on helping people to think about what they were doing and how they were spending their time. You know, the other 140 hours of the week or whatever. There's, a, I can't remember what the right number. 168 hours in a week, right? That's so right. yeah, so you spend a couple hours in church, you do some things. You know, you're in a small group, you're part of a ministry, but then there's all the rest of the time. Right. And the discipleship, it was good discipleship, and it was valuable, and it helped to form me and my husband and our son. But it was holistic. It wasn't encompassing all of life. My husband's a business guy. I was in the business world for 20 years and we are. that's where we spend most of our time. So I became very passionate about it and realized that at the time the church we were a part of, while it was wonderful, there wasn't the interest to invest in this in the way that I really felt like I was called to do. So PLF gave me an avenue to begin to express that and so we spent a lot of time in at the front end of our Leaders Collaborative teaching a theology of work and um i did a masters program in the, in, that I started in 2008 through Bakke Graduate University. Awesome. We've highlighted
4: them before. Yeah.
5: And, uh, you know, form very formational in some things. Uh, got to study under a man named Paul Stevens, who you may know, uh, who was founded the, the professorship of Marketplace Theology at Regent College. Um, and, you know, all of that just helped me to, to build out what I felt called to do in terms of serving others. So how do you help the tech entrepreneur understand that, you know, it's not just that he's good to his people. He has to actually build technology that's good for the world, right? So it's the particulars of work, not just the the conditions that work creates. We're
1: talking today with Lisa Slayton. She's with the Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation, plf.org. You mentioned before we got on the air today, Lisa, that uh, one of the things you teach people to do is to listen. Yeah. What is it? Why? Well. We're moving on.
5: Uh, uh, <laughs> And there we go. (laughs) Point point taken, point made. Yeah, Yeah. that was very good. So how many times do you sit in a, in a, in a conversation with someone, you may be doing it right now where, uh, you're really not listening to what I'm saying. You're thinking about the next thing you're going to say to me. happens all the time. Sure. Um, and, and I think we live in a world where that's very common and it's useful, right? That we, I call it transactional in in its nature. Yeah. I'm, I've got stuff to do. You've got stuff to do. We're working together on something. It's a get it done kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a means of control if we're not careful. Um, and I think what happens is we lose the ability to actually sit down without an agenda, without a, an a, 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 position we want to compel someone else to pay attention to and really listen to who they are and what matters to them and we have some methodologies that we use around that um that actually take take the listener into the other person's story in a way that they're required to follow the energy and interest of the other person and not their own very hard to do Hmm. but it's it when you when you make the shift it's utterly transformational in how your relationships can flourish. Wow.
3: So you're using that for what purpose? You're teaching that to the people that come through or that participate in the Pittsburgh Leadership Well, Foundation? we do it in a couple contexts. Um,
5: one of them are stories around so we, we have a story-based methodology um, and there's a whole process that we follow, but it's around helping people to dive into um, so I might ask you a question around tell me a time that you did something that you really loved doing that you got a great and satisfying result from um, and that you're very passionate about and then you start telling your story and I'm asking a series of a particular kind of question that helped me to lean into your story and listen and understand who you are and how you move when you're working at your best. It's actually a, vo- a process of vocational discernment, but the methodology translates into all kinds of other practices. So, you know, we use it for interviewing, we use it for, t- for team development, we use it for partnership development, helping managers and super supervisors, you know, work with their people Mm -hmm. more effectively, but it's, it's a, it, it, it's focused on a story, not on a set of bullet points, which is very interesting.
1: How is being a good listener, being a representative of Jesus at work? Well, I think we're, we're called to, to, to
5: compassion and care for others. And one of the most important ways that you can care for another person is to let them know that you see them and hear them. And you can't actually see them and hear them unless you look at them and listen to them, right? Um, Jesus was brilliant at this. In every encounter, he, he, I mean, think of the woman at the well. In every encounter, he saw that person. He listened deeply to where they were. He spoke truth to them. He wasn't afraid to be bold. Um, but he, he saw the people that, that were placed in his path, and they were a requirement for him right then and there. He wasn't, they weren't a, a you know a means to another end on his journey. He stopped at the well. Why did he stop at the well? Well, he was thirsty. you know. But there's a woman that he needed to encounter that day, and he didn't rush through that encounter just to get to wherever he was going. He believed and saw that she was a person that he was intended to, to care for and minister to. Yeah, he
1: actually stayed for two, three days. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, that was what's amazing. It's like, yeah, I know I was going there, but yeah. we see a, a, an, a recipient audience here that was willing to listen. It was pretty powerful. Yes. And and he was a great listener. I mean, Jesus was a great listener because he also came back with the greatest questions ever. That's it. (laughs) So if you had just one opportunity to tell people why they should be a proponent of the Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation, what is it?
5: Um, uh, we care deeply about cities, um, and we believe God does as well. And with mm. you know, we live in a time where there's a vacuum of of wise moral leadership, and so we we care deeply about investing in and developing and growing wise moral leaders who are committed to their place. Mm. When you say wise moral leaders, do you mean
1: leaders that love Jesus or just wise moral leaders?
5: Well, why, I, I don't. I think the wisdom that comes fundamentally comes from from Scripture and from Jesus. So to me, it's biblical wisdom that's at that the foundation.
1: There's so much more. But Lisa Slayton, thank you so much for joining yeah. us today. Just to tell us a little bit about what's going on in Pittsburgh. We didn't really get a chance to ask all the great questions, but we're grateful. Thank you, Lisa Slayton. Thank you. Make sure you check her out online, plf.org, plf.org. You're listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, our workplace. It's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for Him. him.